0: Hello, welcome to CIO Leadership Live Australia. I'm Cathy O'Sullivan, the Editor-in-Chief in in APAC for Foundry's flagship enterprise brands, CIO and CSO. Today on the show, my guest is Michael Chavarella, Chief Technology Officer at ANS Labels. Michael has featured three times in the CIO50 Australia list, and it's a pleasure to be chatting to him today. Hi, Michael. Great to see you again.
1: Likewise, Cathy. How are you?
0: Great, great. Hope the new year is off to a good start for you and, and great great to have you on the show today.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. Same to you.
0: So listen, um, let's go back to the start. Can you give us a bit of a potted history of your career to date and, and how did you get your start in IT?
1: Yeah, no worries. Um, so it would probably be uh, throughout high school, I've always been interested in working with people and, and teams. Um, my, my family history and background is Italian. Um, and I've, I've always known the importance of teamwork and family work. And um, we come from um, a very high values based um, family. Um, so I always wanted to work with people and, and specifically teams. I've always liked challenging type projects Um, and I've also liked technology and systems. So the the natural um, relationship between all of those parts made a lot of sense for me. So it would have started in high school. Um, I was fortunate enough to to, um, go into university. And the university that I actually selected, one of the main reasons why I selected that university specifically is because they offered work experience that was happening outside of the university calendar. Um, so it was, a, it was a four-year degree. I've, I've got a qualification in human resources. So there's the people side um, business, human resources, and then the other side is uh, information systems, computer science. Um, based on the work experience that I needed to find myself outside of the university, and, and we did a lot of that work experience in a holiday program. So whilst all my friends were were partying or enjoying their time I was I was working, um, I was given... Um, a great opportunity at at Honda. So Honda Automotive, um, there are multiple brands that that Honda have. um, And the first opportunity for me was actually to work within HR. There were some tools and systems that they needed in place. Um, I was was selected by the, the leader of the training and development department and they wanted a database built that would essentially help them with all their training and development needs of their staff and also future staff to do skills assessment matrix find out where there were some gaps um, across the board so that's where i started i started out at honda it seems like a a long time ago now it's it's well well over 20 years um and then from there i I progressed into multiple organizations from there so started in hr at honda worked on big projects and then was given an opportunity um, in what was called e-commerce at the time which is probably more commonly referred to now as as digital
0: well, it served you well because you're now Chief Technology Officer at ANS Labels. So can you tell us a bit more about the organization, what you and your team look after there?
1: Absolutely, yeah. So ANS Labels is a, is a smaller organization. Um, we're involved in retail. It's largely around female fashion. Um, we would be 10 years young, so a, a quite a, a early organization. Um, we're still working through process improvements as, as well as customer experience, um, we started off with a a, um, a physical footprint. We had one store, um, which was located in Altham in Melbourne, um, and all, all the standard stories that you'll hear about uh, founders coming together, working on the on the garments and the fabrics, um, essentially in their lounge room or in or in the garage of their of their property. Um, amazing stories that I was told, where uh, there was a high school across the road. Um, uh, all the all the students from the high school, uh, female. Um, we're, we're there lining up at, at the front door on a Monday morning to, to buy the latest products, and just being able to replicate that customer experience that the founders had. Where if someone didn't have enough money to buy that garment, I would say, don't worry about it. Um, let's sort that out the following week. You know, just just give us the, the remaining of the, of that balance. Now, now that we're glo- we've we've grown significantly, we're a global organization. We own two brands. One of the brands is Tiger Mist. The other one is IMGR. They are both quite different in that they've got different segments in the market. Um, But yeah, think about an organisation, 10 years young, we're now pure digital, we don't have a physical presence anymore. It's all direct to consumers who buy our products through our website. We're global um, and I'm fortunate enough to be the first CTO within the organisation. I would say that it's it's a bit of a varied role. It's not just your standard technology. Um, I also look after a a team that has the production of our garments as well. So they work directly with our suppliers. So it's almost a a merchandising type role. Also, um, the digital team, e-commerce team reports into myself, as well as customer service and customer delivery, where our team members are either picking up the phone, answering to live chat inquiries, or also helping out customers with um, service-related or sales-related inquiries, plus all the standard IT things that you would you would normally see a CTO do. So it's pretty, it's pretty exciting. And the other thing that I'm really passionate about is ways of working. Um, I've been asked to look at multiple departments across the organisation and how can we improve um, the ways in which we work
0: of course, with your HR experience, that, that serves you well there as well, Michael. And so listen, what has um what have been some of the things you and the team have achieved in the past few years? You've mentioned there that you know you've it's a huge digital focus um, for the organization. So what have been some of the achievements in, in your time at um, ANS Labels?
1: Absolutely. So I think also the, the context of being the first CTO that the organization has had, I think is is really important. Um, Really innovative founders and, and executive team, which is which is amazing that that I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be part of the executive team and have all those conversations around how do we how do we move the dial, how do we innovate, etc. But there wasn't a formalised technology strategy. So at a very very high level, there is a organisational direction and organisational vision. But really important for me to set up the technology strategy. Um, being a young organisation and and many team team members that are, that are younger than myself. And just the proliferation of SaaS-based products, we have a lot of tools and a lot of systems. Um, very easy to pick up a credit card and and, and invest and, and and trial out a, a new tool or a new technology. But for me, it was all about how do we make sure that we can migrate, simplify, um, have a technology strategy that can set the framework up for the organisation moving forward. Um, so that was that was a big win initially. Um, I also think about all the other. Um, single points of failure that we had within the organisation. Although we're a digital business and we um, have our website, um, the delivery and development team was quite small. So a lot of individuals within the organisation wearing multiple hats um, and that also brings single points of failure. So for me, it was looking at that entire business model, um, looking at organisations that we could partner up with to make sure that we had some contingency, but also the ability to scale should we want to um, expand into other regions uh, across the globe. In terms of one of the one of the biggest wins that we had, um, customer returns is a pain point for a lot of retailers, especially um, fashion retailers, and for those that are pure play within a digital environment. So we don't have the physical store where a customer could try on our, our clothing. Um, we are known for our quality. So the fabric that we use is of a high, high quality and a high standard, um, but some of our sizes can be inconsistent. And this is one of the things that I learned. I just assume that some of our colours, the only difference between a garment might be the colour. It's got exactly the same product description and product name, but um, in some instances, slightly different fabric is used and stretchy material based on um, colour as well. So I might buy this um, navy blue suit jacket. I could buy exactly the same one in a different colour that there might be slight differences in the um, fabric and material, which means that the, the stretchiness and the feel and the size is inconsistent. So one of the big things that we had to do was look at our returns, look at customer satisfaction. Um, returns were at, was actually delivered through a return portal. So we partnered up with an external company. The insights reporting and the customer experience wasn't as great as probably what it could have been. We made the decision to run an RFP. We aligned with another vendor. And not only did we deliver that, we fully automated the processes. So again, being quite a young organisation, all the processes and returns that were initially received by us as an organisation was manually received and keyed in by our customer care team. We've now integrated all those tools and systems, and they're, they're fully automated to so the point now where you think about we we have the flexibility to do this. We haven't done it yet, but we could enable something like an instant return. So working in a in a fashion industry where customers Uh, can be demanding and they may put an order through on a thursday and they're expecting to receive the garments the next day ready for the weekend um, uh function that they may have on um it's really important that we we take their return seriously and we're able to provide that that monetary refund back to them or the exchange back to them in a quick time frame which then enables them to buy that same product that we may have but in a slightly different size
0: yeah, there's certainly high expectations from customers, aren't there? And that, you know, instant returns, instant delivery, all of that. Are there any other um challenges um, that you can think of along your digitalization journey that um you and the team have had to uh, have encountered and how have you overcome them?
1: Yeah, for sure. So I think I think for me, my induction period was very much a red carpet entry. Um, being the first CTO to the organization, um, When I started asking questions or probing about um, certain practices or procedures or methodologies that we had in place, it was very much everyone willing to to provide all the information and give me all the relevant system access. So I wasn't sure if that was just because I was the the CTO and the most senior person in technology, or if that was the the standard way um, within the organisation. I I think a challenge for us is that we always had more projects on the go than what we probably could fulfil and deliver to a good standard. Um, I do have an innovation background and, and my career history at, at Target was actually forming an innovation department from scratch. So I felt that that put me in, in good stead where I wasn't saying no to everything, um, but just really being able to decipher the things that would make a big difference and the things that we wanted to experiment and validate. Um, there's, there's no way that every employee is going to have all the answers. I definitely have don't have all the answers so it's really important that we collaborate, work with our customers closely and make sure that what we are choosing to deliver is going to have the big benefit, the biggest ve- benefit and value for our organization. So, so I think to summarize that, probably one of the biggest challenges was too many things on the go, um, not a, a a solid framework in terms of prioritization, talking to customers, involving them in the process and then actually delivering it.
0: And what were you thinking about when it came to your technology strategy and how you align it to the overall business strategy? What what did you think about?
1: I think about the the organisation is extremely fast paced. We, we have new products that that launch weekly, and if I compare that to previous organisations that I've worked at within the retail um, scheme, uh, generally it, it would be new products once a quarter. So if if we're launching, if we've got new product ranges every week, that's that's fifty two per year approximately. And we've got that across two brands. Um, we're essentially delivering over a hundred um, per annum versus other organisations I've worked. That might be four or five per year. So the pace at which we need to operate at is significant. I would say that our customers um, have exactly the same expectations that we would we would have on ourselves. That we need to be fast. We need to be relevant. We need to look at our competitive landscape. So for me, that was all all the key elements that I needed to look at within a technology strategy. I wasn't striving for perfection. I just needed to make sure that I spoke to the executive team fast. I spoke to the relevant um, stakeholders within the business all the way from um, our own warehouse operators. We operate our own distribution center and warehousing. Um, I often visit the team members in the warehouse. So I'll talk to someone who's picking and packing orders. Um, I'm not very hierarchical. I think it's really important to the people that actually do the do the role and, and understand the mechanics of the organization. I think so, so do, by doing all of that, understanding the business drivers and the speed at which we needed to operate. I just made sure that the technology strategy and principles was drafted and in practice within a fortnight. So within within my first fortnight, I was all the stakeholder meetings, all the conversations, presenting it to each executive team member, one-on-one, final presentations to the founder and making sure that we're on the right track. And then the other elements, the other 10 to 15%, I think are always going to change. So for me, it's always about um moving at pace. So that that was the way that I made sure there was some form of alignment. Um, and also making sure that a strategy is never just set in stone. Uh, it's always something that's going to need to adapt and, and change on a on a frequent basis.
0: Yeah, certainly when it's changing so fast in the business and externally as well. So look, you mentioned there, Michael, that um, earlier, you know, that you use a number of partners. Um, So what's important to you when you're looking at technology providers and how they can support you and your team? What what do you look at?
1: Absolutely. So I think, number one, I think it goes back to the values of the individual and and also the the values of that organisation. So for me, integrity is something that I don't compromise on. Uh, I, I think it's important that um, partners, if they're going to commit to something, that they are able to deliver that. So often I'll test our partners prior to signing up with them. But if, if, they, if they make a promise that they'll deliver something by a specific date, I'd like to hold them to that. Um, I think if they have high standards within their organisation, then I know they're really looking out for us. So I think high standards, integrity, being able to move and scale is really important as well. Um, we're probably not looking for the biggest um, vendors and partnerships across across the, the globe. We're a reasonably small organisation, but we're growing at pace. So I, I'm happy to be a, a bigger fish in a smaller pond and work with vendors that are, that are invested, that are interested in what we're doing. We're interested in them. And I think the last thing that's really important is making sure that there's a win-win for both parties. I, I really think that that's true. Um, The use of vendors and probably partnerships, I think, is a term that's overused a lot. But if you're really going to test a partnership, I think it needs to be a two-way street where both parties um, are getting wins um, from the relationship across the board. So I always want to understand what the partner wants out of of the relationship that we're going to have and ensure that they can understand what we're seeking. And then if we can meet a, a ground where we're not compromising, where we're both getting what we would like, I think that sets us up for success.
0: Yeah, indeed. And look, it's certainly been, you know, the last 12 months, maybe even 16 months, it seems the day doesn't go by without AI or Gen AI being mentioned. So I'm really keen to hear your thoughts on, you know, how you think it's going to impact organisations and whether, you know, you're exploring any opportunities when it comes to AI or Gen AI.
1: Definitely. So I I think... um, this is probably one of the biggest transformational changes we are going to see. Um, Knowing exactly where it's going to go, is going to be extremely difficult for, I think for any IT leader or for any business leader to be able to predict. Um, But I do think it's going to have a very big impact on us. The the roles that we're fulfilling today are going to be very different in three or four years' time. Um, If you asked me that 10 years ago, I probably would have said, oh, things will change, but they won't happen as fast. But the, the speed at which we're operating at the moment, the speed of change, um, and I think AI needs to be embraced. But I just also think that the other side of the coin is the right and ethical use of AI as well. Um, there's no doubt there's a, there's a lot in the media at the moment around AI and being um, utilized for all the wrong things and, and cybersecurity risks, et cetera. So I think we need to do it very much with an open lens, um, but we are absolutely exploring AI at the moment. It might be as simple as looking at our product descriptions understanding how we can make them more relevant for our customer experience um, uh, through live chat as well, making sure that we've we've got the, the right predictability, understanding what what are the terms that are used for on a regular basis. And I think it all relates back to building that connection. So although AI is essentially a machine, um, what we're trying to do, I believe, is make, um, techno- well, we're trying to humanize technology and make sure that we can relate back to our customers. So we are absolutely using it. Um, uh, there's a, a great opportunity for us to learn a lot more about it. And I would just say that this is going to be a, a significant generational change, but hard to um, understand how deep that could go at the moment. But based on what I've seen in the last 12 months, um, yeah, the, the speed and the, uh, the impact that AI could have, I think is going to be quite significant
0: yeah indeed 12 months from now who knows where we're going to be it's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out this year so look um you know you you mentioned earlier you've got a, a quite a few different teams within the organization but just when it comes to your technology team how do you demonstrate the value that they bring to ans labels and and more broadly i guess how do you influence and collaborate with the wider exec and and the board there
1: for sure. I think um, collaborating with the wider exec and the board, I think, is making sure that you understand the drivers of the business and to be able to empathise. I, I think it's very rare for executives just to be talking about technology-related issues. Um, there might be a, a, a risk, and the way that I can relate back to that risk might be to talk about cyber security or, or elements within within that. I think it's really important to um, empower your user base, empower your team members so they do have an opportunity to present a lot of their wins. Um, That's my leadership style. So I think if I'm talking about what we're doing across technology, making sure that um, everyone is aware of the value that we're creating, I actually make sure that our team members that are doing the work um, get, get the right recognition for the work that they're doing, but also giving them a stepping stone where they can present a lot of the wins that we are having across the entire business. So Often um, I might start the conversation and and, and the storytelling and and using a lot of analogies, but I really like my team to be um, in the front seat, being able to talk to executives, have that opportunity, because I think succession planning is a really important part of of anyone's role. And for me as a leader, um, really important that that I I, I really know who that next leader is going to be um, when my time comes up within the organisation.
0: And how do you think the role of CIO or CTO or CDO, how do you think the role, that CXO role, has changed since you first started out, you know, in your role at, at Honda? And um, how has it evolved, do you think?
1: I think I think you've hit the nail on the head on, on just how you describe that with all those different roles too. I think the traditional CIO was very much about tools, technology, processes. And now I believe, especially working in a smaller organisation, the CIO role has drifted into the CTO role, which is a little bit more technical, into the CDO role, which is a little bit more business-driven or either data by CDO or could also be chief digital officer. So I think um, a CIO or a CTO or CDO is now wearing multiple hats. Um, in smaller organisations, they're also wearing the CISO hat. Um, so I think being able to humanise technology, work with multiple teams, um, I, I don't think it would be that common to have a CTO lead a, a production team of, of garments and manufacturing. I think that's pretty rare. Um, a customer service or a customer delivery team would probably be fairly rare as well. But I think that's becoming common or more, more common as we start to drift and, and our roles become a little bit more um, business embraced or business led. So gone are the days where I think, although um, technology is an important part of the business, I think gone are the days where it's just about people, process and policy. It's a lot more about collaborating, ways of working, um, customer focus, and then how do you bring multiple departments together? So I think the role has definitely changed significantly.
0: Yeah, I love chatting to CIOs and hearing that they... Also, are responsible for other teams that might not be seen as, you know, tech or IT. Like yourself yeah. with the the Garmin team, I spoke to another CIO who picked up the admin team. Someone else had finance. So good to see that there's this uh, appreciation for the the reach that CIOs can have in their organizations. Um. So look, we you spoke earlier about you know what you did at Target, um, especially around that innovation piece. So. When it comes to NS labels, then how do you culture um f- foster that culture of innovation and inspire creativity within the team?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing about innovation is actually determining what the definition is, and I think it's very different for every organisation. I often come back to it to a definition around change, um, because if it's not, if it's if it's the same thing that you've always been doing, I would I would debate whether it's innovative. So um, innovation has to deliver value in my in my opinion, uh, to be more than just an idea. Um, and the other element is change. So I, I refer to change that delivers value. Um, often when we talk about innovation as, a, as an organization, we're experimenting a lot. We're using many different tools, many different techniques. Um, we're a fast paced organization. So I think it naturally comes within our culture. I'm, I'm very fortunate to have a great team and also work in an organization that is fast paced, that is quite innovative. Um, so I, I think fostering it is going in with a very open mind. A lot of it is actually not related to technology. So I think it's going in with an open mind, putting all previous biases that you might have to the side, and that's easier said than done. I think all of us will have a natural bias. It might uh, be um, something that, that that's sitting there and we may not even be aware of, but really important to go into every scenario with an open mind, test things with customers, accept um, that it's not going to be perfect. And we're not striving for perfection when we're trying to innovate. There's also different types of innovation too. I think there is continuous improvement, which could be innovative, it delivers value, it's change. They're the one percenters and the, and the incremental work that you could do on a frequent basis. That's pretty much in our DNA, that, that's non-negotiable. We do that all the time. Um, but I would say that not every organisation has done that. But that's, that's a first starting point for me. And then the other part of innovation is transformational where often it's the 10X thinking. And I think to have, have the same resource base or team members doing both is often very difficult. So that's where I look to partners. I look to the startup community. I look to universities. Um, uh, I attend quite a few vendor conferences. I learn a lot from vendors as well and within my own network. So just really aware that innovation can happen internally and you need to foster it. You need to make sure that there's a learning environment, there's the space for it, um, that the transformational work is often done by initially, probably different teams that are doing the the uh, incremental work.
0: Of course, you know, you, you've highlighted a few biases and, you know, the importance of, of different perspectives. So I guess when it comes to IT and technology, it has been challenging in the past few years. Well, it's getting better. But, you know, really keen to hear your views on why do you think we don't have enough diversity in IT roles, whether that's gender, race, you know, age. Um, what What do you think around that and what are some practical things to do to get more people from different backgrounds to consider IT as a career?
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I would say that um, a lot of that is based on the organisation. So where, where I work now, um, well, look, there are there are some opportunities for us to be more diverse, um, but because we are in, involved in female fashion, eighty uh, percent of our team members are, are female, which is not which is not common for technology. So most of most of my team, um, which which goes into production, customer care, digital technology, is is I have a greater percentage of females than, than males within my team. But I do know from previous organisations that I've worked at that um, technology tends to be male dominated. I think it's really important to be able to connect the dots between business and technology. Technology is generally being quite, it's it's engineering based, it's quite technical based, it's people, it's process orientated. I think being able to have a a better appreciation of what business drivers are um, and make sure that you're, I think they were previously called business translators or business analysts that sit in between the business and technology and the significant role that they play. I think a lot of us can actually play that business analyst role. And I think by just promoting technology in a very different way, we'll ensure that there's greater diversity within the industry. Technology is not all just about coding and engineering and and networking. Um, I think to, to be a great technology leader and a great technology team member, the importance of collaboration, teamwork, business drivers is really important. So what I'm seeing happen more and more is that team members that may start in customer care, that are very close to the customer or starting a help desk role are actually being promoted into technology roles and seeing the value that's created there so i would say that a lot of it is dependent on the organization working in female fashion um as i mentioned before i've got more uh, female team members in my in my team than, than males at other organizations that is not necessarily the case um, diversity in mindset is another one that's really important too and that comes from experience that comes from age most of our team members are quite young So I think even my leadership style, to make sure that we're promoting diversity, I've got to change my leadership style too. So um, often now it's, although I may have several direct reports, I'm actually playing more of a mentoring and coaching role rather than just looking at specific outcomes. So making sure that there's that, that stability, that opportunity for individuals to innovate, promoting diversity, looking across my entire network to make sure that we're giving opportunities to everyone Um, that would be right for the role. And looking outside the square, I don't just look for specific technologists for a technology role, someone who can communicate well, someone who can collaborate well. And I think if we do that as leaders, then we we will naturally reduce some of our biases and hopefully have a a, a greater team with more diversity.
0: Indeed. So look, when you reflect back on your own career, um, Michael, are there any mistakes or lessons you've learned along the way that I guess have really shaped you as a leader, even though it might have been an uncomfortable situation or issue at the time? For Sure.
1: Uh, probably the biggest one that I can recall is um, it relates to the recruitment process and just being able to make sure that you're not rushing that process um, even though the pressure is there. So I was, I was asked to lead um, a significant transformation. We were looking to the market to try and find um, team members. And I, I think I actually made a compromise. I, I was feeling um, a significant amount of pressure, a significant amount of stress, as was my team. So we, we made the decision on someone who we thought would be good for the role, but probably we, we probably cut a few corners. And I think even if we didn't cut those corners, that, that individual may not have been the right fit for the role so we won't know some of these things until we actually um, live it out in practice. But um, what ended up happening was it didn't it didn't work out. And I think myself as a leader, I probably needed to make that call a little bit earlier on. I needed to have some of those courageous conversations, the conversations that that, that can be hard to have and ones that a lot of leaders will probably think about at night and say, oh, should I have that? How do I approach that? Um, but I think, yeah, across my leadership journey, there's been a couple of times where I've held back on those conversations and I've just learned now it's really, really important to deliver feedback in the moment, have the conversation, obviously do it with respect, um, uh, but make sure that, again, there's a win-win just like we, we spoke about with partnerships. So mm-hmm. um, every individual um, should should have the right environment for them. Some environments may not be the case and I think it's really important to, to make those calls that you need to make irrespective of how hard they are because in the long term... Um, I think those individuals will actually thank you for, for the call that you might make or or ones that you might request that they think about or consider.
0: Yeah, definitely a very good point. Um, and <laughs> is there any other advice that you'd give to aspiring IT leaders, someone who would love to be a, a CTO, CDO, CIO, CXO?
1: For sure. I think I think be true to your values. That, that that's number one for me. Don't don't compromise on your values because I think once you compromise on that irrespective of the role that you might move into is, um, yeah, I, I, yeah I'm, I'm a very, very values-based person, um, but I have compromised on them previously. But now that's something that I, I, I don't do. I don't compromise on that. So I think that's really important. Probably the other bit of advice is network, um, because as you become more and more senior within the organisation, it can be a little bit lonely. So um, previously working in teams and being involved in the day-to-day, I still am involved in the day-to-day and the operating of the business, but um. As I've, as I've become more senior over time it can be a little bit lonely so if you're trying trying to solve a problem by yourself it's it's often difficult I think utilizing your network talk, talking to peers talking to others that may have have been on the same path or the same ground that you're about to approach I think is really important so um, definitely something that that I hold very close to me is is keeping those business relationships in place and making sure that I know who I can depend on and that that's a mutual connection so they can also depend on me.
0: And so what's important to you in the months ahead as we head into 2024, Michael?
1: Yeah, I think it all relates back to our most important asset, which is our teams. Um, And being able to collaborate with our teams and bringing our teams together to work on projects. Um, We've got an upcoming strategy day um, uh, taking place in the next month or so. So I think we will understand what our big rocks are from there. But really important for me to make sure that we're all in unison, we're aligned, Um, and we're working together to achieve our goals for the next year. I I know that customer service, customer delivery is going to be an important part of that, um, and making sure that we deliver a contextual experience for our customers, irrespective of where they're located around the globe. So an example will be that the weather in australia is very different from the us as is the fashion trends we want to make sure that we've got the right product presented to the customer in their relevant region um, the time that we launch our product launches as well because um, we're a global organization if it works well for 9 a.m in australia that that's at a different time zone in the us so we want to make sure that our product ranges and and the time that we deliver uh, these components are localized for, for the community that we're operating within so I'll find out more at our our strategy meeting when we're working together, but all about alignment, bringing the parties together and delivering a greater customer experience.
0: Well, we wish you and the team at ANS Labels all the best with the year ahead. Michael Chavarella, Chief Technology Officer at ANS Labels. Thank you so much for your time today.
1: Thank you, Cathy. Appreciate the
0: opportunity. Thanks.